0: All right, I made it here. So just as uh, when I preached a few weeks ago, dry mouth and everything, I'll probably need to take lots of drinks. Um, So I heard a a preacher one time that was talking about how when he gets up to preach, he likes to kind of take a warm-up lap. So as I was um, thinking about what my warm-up lap would be this morning, it was actually going to be the phone call conversation that Pastor Hurdle and I had, um, but he took my warm-up lap. <laughs> um, but as he mentioned, you know, he uh, he called me, actually, and we were just talking about where he thought the Lord was leading us as a church. And I said, you know, that, the, that, the truth that you're wanting to share, that like, goes so in line with that message that I wanted to preach but never got the opportunity to two years ago at Missions Conference. So it wasn't like... 365 days times two, it was two missions conferences ago. So it was actually just just over a year ago, but um, it was two years ago, if you look at it that way. (laughs) So really, the direction that Pastor Hurdle and we believe the Lord is taking us as a church is with regard to the area of simply obeying God. And I want to make a proposition to us all this morning that when we think of obedience... If we're just saying, all right, what can I do for God? What does God want me to do? And uh, how, can I, how can I obey God? That can so easily turn into a legalistic mindset, as Pastor alluded to, that where you're looking and saying, all right, what can I do for God? But really what our focus should be rather than what can I do for God, but what does God want to do through me? So I would like to um, present perhaps an idea to implant within all of us uh, when we think of obedience, how should we think of that? And what I want to propose this morning is that we need to think obedience or think of obedience in the realm of a faith step. So, what exactly is a faith step? I would like to define my terms here. But a, a faith step is simply when you sense the spirit of God is wanting to move through you, and you hear that. You say, "All right, Lord, I'm sensing that you want me to." Um, speak a word of witness to a person or you want me to speak a word of encouragement or exhortation to a person, you step out in faith trusting God to help you do the right thing and you trust his spirit to work through whatever you're doing. And I think when we have that focus of of, uh, a faith step saying, God, what do you want to do through me, um, that can so much more um, put in us a spirit dependence, a spirit and faith focus which brings liberty rather than... um, um, the burden of the law upon us. So, where I want to um, bring us this morning is Matthew chapter 25. If we could all turn there, Matthew chapter 25. We'll be looking today at the parable of the talents, and this parable is also found in Luke 12. Um, and in verse 42 of Luke 12, um, the word stewardship is mentioned. Now, in this Matthew passage, the word stewardship never actually appears. But the concept is actually more clearly delineated in the Matthew 25 passage than in the, um, the Luke passage. So that's part of the reason why we're going to the um, Matthew passage here this morning. So with that preamble, um, I will pray and we'll begin. Dear Spirit of God, I, I do thank you so much for um, your leadership um, through the church, Lord, and how you've gifted um, each one of us to um, to help the church Lord and uh, I pray that you would um, you'd move your spirit through your people this morning Lord would you show us what you want to do Lord would you give us clear leadership and would you help us to um, to know how to do that Lord you know that I'm an imperfect person and you know that um, I can very well explain things in the wrong way lord it's it's very possible that i can do that lord but i pray that you would overcome my shortcomings that you would take my life that you would take my tongue that you would make it yours and that you would help me um to speak your message to your people here this morning lord um and lord would you speak to your people lord would your people have ears that can hear you lord um, from their spirits i pray in jesus name we pray amen we need to get like a small table or something, like, or a bigger pulpit, I don't know. A what? Camel bag. A camelback. Oh yeah, a camel bag. yeah, there you go. All right, sorry. Um, so in the Roman Empire, um, slaves were very common, and of course in Israel, that was part of the Roman Empire. So um, the way that slavery worked in the Roman Empire is often people would have their slaves, uh, the rich people would have slaves, and they would give them an area of management, an area of responsibility. Um, so this concept of the parable, that, or this idea that we see in the parable, where the master is giving his stewards um, his goods, and I'm kind of getting ahead of things, but where the master, what, what happens in the parable is the master gives his servants um, what his, his own goods. And he says, all right, uh, and then he goes away. And then what the servants do is they invest, and in the, the master comes back, and the master gives his stewards more. So this was a common concept in the Roman Empire. The slaves would, would really the the, uh, the whole parable is answering a question that his disciples asked in chapter 24 and verse number 3. Uh, and that question is, um, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So his disciples are asking, what's it going to be like when you come back? And Jesus explains that in Matthew 24. And in Matthew 25, he's saying, here is how you prepare. So who are the characters in this parable? Um, Well, before I get to that, actually, um, yeah, all right, we'll go there. So the characters in the parable are, number one, we have the rich man. And that person is, to us, is a picture of God or a picture of Jesus. And then there's the servants, and that's the picture of people. So that's you and me. So a wise steward will take faith steps in what God has given him. So let's let's read the passage here so we know what we're all talking about. So I'm not... I'm on the fence about reading the whole thing, but we'll just read a couple. We'll read the whole thing. All right. I'm sorry, but we got to read the whole thing. So, starting in verse 24 or 14. I'm sorry. It says, "For the kingdom of heaven is like a is a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then He that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. And he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee, thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. That is and the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful, slothful servant, Thou knowest that I reapest where I sowed not, and gatherest where I had not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall be, and he sh- he shall have abundance. But from him that hath none that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the first thing I want to point out in this passage is the master's actions. So we see in verse number 14 that, um, or verse number 15, I'm sorry, that there is a man who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. So the first thing we see is that what, God has, or what the Master gave um, these people were his own goods. So what God has given us are things that belong to him. And he wants us to steward these things and wisely use them. So what has God given you to steward specifically? Uh, there are several examples that I have, some scriptural, some biblical, but not exactly scripture verses. So the first thing is uh, the gospel of God. I have two references. You can write them down. We won't go there. But Ephesians 3.2 and 2 Corinthians 5.18. So God has given us all the gospel, and he expects us to do something with the gospel. He doesn't want us to um, just sit on the gospel and only use it for our lives. He wants us to appropriate the gospel for our own lives, but he also wants us to be sharing the gospel. So the way that we can be um, wise stewards with the gospel is taking faith steps in the area of the gospel. As I mentioned earlier, if the Lord says, so-and-so, I want you to speak a word of witness to this person, we need to take that faith step and move forward with what God has spoken to us about. The second thing is the gifts of God. Um, and We will turn to this one. That's 1 Peter 4, verse number 10. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 10. It said, For every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever, amen. So, this idea of God giving us all gifts is seen throughout scripture. It's seen in Romans 14, I believe, and then 1 Corinthians as well. So God wants, has given each of us in the church a particular gift, and he wants us to minister um, to the church through those things. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about uh, it names different gifts, same thing in Romans. And I think a lot of times we can kind of get bent out of shape saying, all right, so what's my gift? Um, am I, do I have the gift of helps? Do I have the gifts of exhortation? What is my gift? And we can kind of get tangled up but in trying to figure out what exactly our gift is. But the way that we figure out what our gift is, and really the way that we let the Spirit of God use us, is we just listen to the Spirit as we're in the church. Um, and even outside of the church, because we're still part of the church when we're outside of the church. And when we're listening to the Spirit of God move, we'll just, God's Spirit will be working through us and our spiritual gifts will be in function as we do that. Um, next, uh, we've been given the truth of God, so as we read the Scripture, um, God reveals to us His truth and He expects us to do something with that truth. He expects us to appropriate that truth for our own lives, but also to um, uh, give that truth to other people. He's also given us uh, life, uh, lessons from life experience. There was a young man at the college at, at BCM. His name was Alex, and he was telling me, like, man, um, my school bill situation is pretty dire. I have no idea where I'm going to get money to pay my bill. And I was in that situation almost every semester I was there, and I was able to share him, with him how I learned to walk with God through that. And really tell him, um, you know, dig into the scriptures, listen to God, and figure out how God wants you to pray. So I was able to share my own life experience with Alex so that Alex could um, better walk out in in his relationship with God. Finally, we've just been given relationships in general. We think especially of family relationships. Um, God's given us children. He's given us spouses. He's given us church family. He's given us schoolmates, and he's given us disciples, and the list could go on. And God wants us to invest in those relationships that we have so that we can um, build those people up so that they can know God better. Um, So we see also that the master gave each person according to his own ability. The master knew exactly um, what each person could handle. In verse number 15, we see, To every man according to his several ability and straightway he took his journey. So a lot of times God will place a faith step upon us and we'll think, oh no, I can't do that faith step. But the reality is, is God knows that you can do that faith step. Often we'll think like, I, I can't do that because that's, that's, too, that's too big of a situation. I can't handle that. And just think of, um, of Peter when he was on the ship and God called him to step out of the ship and um, when Peter had his eyes on the storm, he began to sink. But when he had his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water. And that's the exact illustration of the kind of faith steps that God wants us to take. When we're looking at ourselves and our own ability or if we're looking at the situation, we'll never be able to take that faith step. But when we're looking at God, we'll see what he can do through the situation and we'll be empowered to take that faith step that God is leading us to take. Um, So where do these faith steps come from? Ultimately, they all come from the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that a person can say, "Um, so and so, this faith step is for you. You need to go and take this faith step. Now, the Holy Spirit can lead through counseling, and a wise counselor is not going to tell you what the Holy Spirit is doing ultimately. Um, But faith steps will come through Bible reading. That is one way the Holy Spirit will speak. He'll speak through prayer. He'll speak through preaching. And um, ultimately, it's all coming from the Holy Spirit. So the Master's actions in this parable... They show us how God relates to us. The fact that God has given us all one thing in particular. So what did the stewards in the parable do? And when we look at what the stewards in the parable did, we'll see um, what we are to do as well. So number two, we have the stewards' actions. In verse number 16, we'll read, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. And likewise, he that had received two He also gained other two. And he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So first we see that the, the stewards went and they invested what the master gave them. It says that they went and traded with the same. Now I've never put money into the stock market. I don't know exactly how all that works from experience, but you kind of have an idea and I'm sure that many of you are probably in the same boat, unless you're just uh, way more rich than I know about. <laughs> so I know when you invest money in the stock market, there's a possibility that that money that you invest is going to uh, make a negative return, that you put, say, $10,000 into some Fortune 500 company, and that $10,000 shrinks down to about you know, $1,000 when the stock goes down. There's also a chance that when we invest in the stock market, that that $10,000 that we invested will spike up and we'll become wealthy and beyond what we even um, could imagine would happen with that small $10,000. So what I want to point out in this is the felt risk of investment. So when God asks you to take a faith step, when he asks you to invest in something that he's given you, there's always going to be a felt risk of investment. And we see what the unwise steward did here, and he went and he hid his master's money. He was like, I'm too afraid to lose this money because he had the wrong idea of who the master was, as we'll see later on. He digged um, a hole and, and put it in there and said, I'm not going to take the risk. And very often that's where we can find ourselves. We can be afraid to take that risk, but God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. And in those times of fear, um, even when I was um, preparing for this message, I had two days, and it's like, how is this going to work together? Usually, I have two weeks to prepare for a message. And in those times of fear and uncertainty, where we're looking at the circumstances and we're saying, no way, that's not possible. Um, Remember Isaiah forty-one ten. It says, Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will help thee. I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee with my right hand of righteousness. When God asks you to take a faith step, God's going to be right there with you. It's not just you. Realize that if if we're afraid, there's a sign that we're self-dependent because we're looking at, all right, what can I do, instead of looking at what God can do. Realize God's with you and that he's going to help you. I think of also with regard to this area of um, faith, steps, and obedience, the principle of sowing and reaping. Um, the principle of sowing and reaping says um, whatever you put into something, you'll reap that much more. Um, there's a verse, let's turn there, it's in James chapter 4. just want to get my own eyes on it so I say it correctly. No, I'm sorry, it's in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7, thank you. I'm in Ephesians. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) It's all the Bible, it's all good. Okay, Galatians chapter. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So when we're sowing disobedience, it becomes so much easier to continually disobey. When God gives us a faith step and we say, nah, I don't want to do that. In the future, the next time God gives us a faith step, that's going to be so much harder to take. Um, Conversely, when God gives us a faith step and we say, we step out in faith and we see God work, um, the next faith step will be uh, easier to take. I think of um, different stories I've heard of missionaries that have um, walked on coals, actually. Um, as a demonstration of the power of their God compared to the power of the gods of these lands that they're trying to evangelize. And that step of faith to walk on those hot coals, I guarantee you that that step of faith was preceded by many, many other steps of faith along the way. So all that to say when we obey, it'll be easier to obey, and when we disobey, it will be easier to disobey. So then we see that there have been two stewards two who invested and two who did not invest and uh, from that number three we see the master's response to them in verse number 19 it reads um, we'll read uh, verse 19 all the way down to 28 it said after a long time the lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them and so he called and so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents saying lord thou deliverest unto me five talents behold i have gained beside them five more talents The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other beside them. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of of thy Lord. When he that had received the one talent came and said, "Lord, I knew," we'll stop right there. Actually, so uh, the first thing I want to point out from this is um, the master's focus. Uh, we see both in, in verse twenty one and verse twenty three that the Lord said, or the master said to um, both the slaves that invest that had invested, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord." I left a little ellipsis there with. Well, it was between those two things, but what I want to say is that God wasn't, or the Master wasn't focused on the exact number of talents that they had produced. He was focused on the simple fact that they had invested, and that they had gained, um, that that they had invested, and when they invested, they made a gain on their, or there was a return on what they put in. So God doesn't so much care about the results of what our faith steps produce. He just cares that we take a faith step. Um, Often it can be, we can find ourselves in a situation where um, we'll be hearing God ask us to take a faith step, but we'll say, that's never going to work out. But really the results are ultimately up to God, and from the parable we see that when they invested, they did see a return. So when you go and you do take that faith step, um, God's going to honor that faith step, and, um, and you will see a multiplied return upon what God um, asked you to do. So next we see the master's graciousness. Uh, In in between what I read, it says, um, Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. So what we see from that is we see the master's graciousness. So what the master did is he actually gave the ones who invested disproportionately more than what they had invested. So the master says, You were faithful with a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So I think of the verse uh, actually in John where, well, first, the way I'll say that applies to us is when we take that step of faith, we'll see the master's graciousness, or we'll see God's grace manifested in our lives. When these slaves took those steps of faith, when they invested, there was a return and um, they saw the, the grace of the master. For us, when we take the faith step, God's faith will be manifested in our lives. I think of the verse, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he it is that loveth me will be loved of my Father, and I will manifest myself to him. The times when we'll see God's manifest presence in our life is those times where we've taken a step of faith, where we've done what God said, And God will manifest himself to us. And what is to motivate our keeping the commandments? It says earlier in that passage in John 14, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. So ultimately our faith steps, our obedience towards God, it should be motivated from a heart of love. If we're only um, simply focused on, okay, I just need to keep God's commandments, and then God will become in our minds a legalistic taskmaster. But we realize that any relationship, whether it's with your, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, or whatever, all of those relationships, one of the key motivating factors for why you sacrifice for them, why you do things for them, is because you love them and because you know that they love you. And we know that God said um, we love him because he first loved us. So that love that will motivate us to keep God's commandments, to take those faith steps, will all emanate from the fact of knowing God's love. And God's ultimate demonstration of his love for us is when he died on the cross. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we get a picture of the glory of the cross and how Christ loved us through the cross, we we will have the motivation to take those faith steps that God is asking us to take. So finally, that brings us to the, not finally, sorry. (laughs) That actually brings us to the unwise, uh, the response of the master to the unwise steward. And that starts in verse 24. It says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou wert a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not shod. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here thou hast that which is thine. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou art thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou outest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming? I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him that hath ten talents. So we see, as I mentioned before, that the unwise steward feared and therefore he did not invest his master responded by taking that talent that he had and giving it to the one who had 10. So when we don't take the faith steps that God has given us, he will ultimately stop giving us faith faith steps. Um, I know in my own life, God will say, if God lays on my heart a particular area of obedience, something that he wants me to do, um, often I won't hear anything else from God until I've taken that step. God will camp on an issue in our lives where he's wanting to work on us, and until we move forward in faith on that particular issue, um, in a sense, God's hands are tied because he's wanting to work on that one issue, and we're stiff-arming God, and we're saying no. But when we obey God, when we step forward in faith and um, take that step of faith, then God will, as we saw from the, the John 14 passage, he'll manifest himself to us And that will lead to other phase steps, which will lead to other phase steps, which will lead to other phase steps. Um, An illustration that I think of with this is walking in the woods with a flashlight on a dark night. So if you have a very narrow beam flashlight, the only area that you can see is a light that is being illuminated right there before you. So God will give light on a particular issue, and when we move forward according to that light, We've stepped into the area of light, and then there's more light being revealed. Sometimes in our Bible reading or in our personal time with God, it can, things will be moving forward very rapidly. And I think of a new believer where they're, they're being sown so show much, and they're responding to so much. And as they respond to light, they see more light. And when we stop responding to that light, the only light that we have is that one area of light that God showed us. And he's asking us to take that face step, and until we take that faith step, there's not more light that God's giving us. So we also see that the, um, the unwise steward had a partial perception of who his master was. Um, he was correct in saying that, um, that you have sowed well, we'll read that verse. it's verse 24, or no, it's not. I had the wrong verse written down. Verse 26, it said, The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reaped where I, stro- where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Sorry, the verse 24 was correct. but um, He was right about the, the fact that his master reaped where he didn't sow, but he was wrong about the fact that he was a hard man. He says, I knew that thou wert a hard man, sowing where thou reaping where thou hast not sowed and sowing where thou hast not strawed. And so he was wrong about the fact that his master was a hard man. We see that by the graciousness that he revealed to the other two, um, to the other two servants, because he gave disproportionately more than what they had invested. So really, his master was a gracious man, and um, the only thing that he wanted him to do was what he knew to do, which was invest what he had been given. So when we're Stiff-arming God, God's God's graciousness won't be seen in our own life. But when we're stepping forward in obedience and in faith, um, God's grace will be manifest in our own lives. And often what will lead us to that that stiff-arming of God is, is a misunderstanding of who God is. If we see God as this hard taskmaster who's not gracious, who doesn't love us, that will lead us to feel stuck in disobedience. Uh, we'll be afraid to take a face step because we're, we're saying, is God really going to catch me when I take that face step? But when we realize that our God is a a merciful, loving, gracious God, uh, that correct perception of who God is will motivate us and fuel us to take that face step. Uh, the, and finally, that, that brings us to um, the point of the parable. Did I skip the page of my notes? So finally, that will bring us to the point of the parable, and that's in verse 29 uh, where it says, uh, "For Unto every one that hath shall it be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall it be taken away, even that which he hath. So as I've spoken of earlier, when God asks us to take a faith step, um, and we do take that faith step, that faith step will lead to more faith steps. God will give us more. But when we, when we say, all right, God, I, I'm, I really don't want to take that faith step, God will stop giving us faith steps. He'll stop giving us light, and we'll find ourselves rather stuck in our Christian lives saying, yeah, how do I go forward? And really, if Shano Baptist Church wants to move forward in victory in 2022, what God wants us to understand is that we need to take faith steps. We need to take faith steps in the different areas that, that God is speaking to us about, the different areas of responsibility and stewardship that we've been given. Uh, when we just gum up, don't do anything, God, God can't hit a, a, a target that's standing still. One thing that um, my dad will say is God always hits a moving target. So when we're moving forward in faith, we'll have the blessing of God upon us and um, we'll move forward together as a church. Now, I I do want to do justice to the passage. In in verse number 30, it says, And cast thee the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So um, what the parable is ultimately about is when Jesus is coming back. So there's three people, three types of people. There are three people. But the, the first type of people is the ones who... Invested what God gave them, who responded to the gospel light. And so when Jesus came back, he says, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And those are the ones when we've taken heed to what God has said. And if you've taken that first step of obedience with believing the gospel, then uh, you have taken that first step of obedience and you're not the third servant. That doesn't mean that there's not things that we can't learn from that third servant the mistakes that he made in not moving forward. But what I want to tell you is that God is not the God who's going to, just because you haven't moved forward on a face step, just because you haven't um, maybe responded to the light that God has given you, God's not going to say, enough of you, I'm done with you. I'm going to kick you to the curb. That's not our God. If you've been washed by the blood, you're in Christ. And when Christ sees you, he sees his son. And he's not going to kick his son out on the curb. When God looks at the unbeliever, however, he doesn't see his own son. He sees their sin, and he is forced to, um, to cast them into unprofitable darkness, or er, into, um, into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So um, with that, we'll have everyone stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning we've talked about faith steps. And I don't know if God has spoken to you specifically about a particular faith step that he's wanting you to take. Maybe that faith step is simply believing something that God has said. I don't want us to be looking for faith steps in the flesh trying to figure out how we can serve God. Shawano Baptist Church needs to have a heart that is listening to the Spirit of God. And as we listen to the Spirit of God, Um, God will show us how he wants to move through us. So don't look for something to do. Just listen. And as God speaks, you move. So if God has spoken to you about something in particular, I pray that um, you would all um, respond to God as he leads. The pianist will play, and you can all do business with God, either there in your seats or here at the altar.